Hi, my name is Francine Crawford. Welcome to my show, Autumn is Here. This is a part two from last week, Nurses, the Bridge Between Doctors and Patients. We're going to continue our conversation with Nurse Yvette Bonham. She's going to tell us about nurses in general and their responsibility. And then she's going to give us information on what happens when we ask questions and we're not quite getting the answer that we need. Where do we go? What's the hierarchy? Who's there to help us? So let's continue with our conversation from last week. But let me let's talk about nursing um, in general. I just wanted to know, like, as far as nurses, I know I've had experience with nurses um, and um, it seems like sometimes it seems like they're they're stuck, like they're in between the, the, the patients and the doctor. They know they're they're educated. They understand everything, but they seem like they're what they are allowed to either say or do. Sometimes it seems like it's limited when you're talking to them as a um, like you're visiting and your 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 parent is there or your your relative is there. Sometimes it seems like they can say they can say only certain things, but they know so much. And um, yeah, I've had that experience with I've had experience with um, some that. Um, have actually pulled me aside and say, listen, say it this way to the doctor, tell him this. And if he doesn't do that, then say, you're going to do this. You know, I've, I've had that, you know, so I know that the nurses know, and I know that they have power, but how, you know, how do you feel being a nurse? Like, um, is it that way where you have to be tiptoe and be uncomfortable or is just certain rules or something? I don't, I don't I mean, know. I get that feeling. That's all. I mean, you, so you know, every nurse, depending on the level of, you know, what they, you know, whether they're LPN, or RPN, a nurse practitioner, we all have our scope of practice and we have to stay within our scope of practice. And one of those things is, you know, like, yes, I saw your mom's test results. I know what it says. I know what the interpretation is. I know what it means, but it's not for me to explain that to you, a doctor has to, or a a provider has to explain that to you now. And it's it's interesting because I am like I said, I'm in grad school. So one of um, the class that I'm taking right now is about leadership and and management and focusing a lot on advanced practice nurses. Um, and I just looked at this map. I mean, COVID has changed a lot of things where. Um, state nursing boards are recognizing that nurses need to be able to to practice to the full extent of their training, to the full extent of their skills and abilities, because a lot of times restrictions are put on us, um, are, are put on the nurse practitioners and the nurses at the bedside. Um, so those things are changing. They're trying to, you know, allow us to, you know, be able to it's my practice, just like you practice medicine. I practice nursing. So let me do what I do. Um, but there, you know, there are those still those regulations and we still have that scope of practice that we have to stay within to protect our own license. Because at the end of the day, if I, if I shared with you, your mom's test came back and it said, you know, this, that, or whatever, now you have questions and, you know, I could try to explain, but maybe that's not what the doctor 
you know, that not may not be the route that he would take or difference in opinion. And now I've overstepped. And now the doctor, you know, could definitely, you know, write me up or report me, things like that, of practicing without, you know, practicing beyond my scope. Um, what, is so, your job? what is your job? As a, terms, nurse, as a nurse in general. I mean, like, as far as, like, when there are things to share with the, the family? No, no, just or, what, what you're supposed to do. Like, what is expected of you as a nurse for a patient? Uh, well, I mean, nurses do assessments. We provide, we, so we're given orders from, from physician or physician um, physician assistant, nurse practitioner. Um, so for me as a registered nurse, I receive orders and it's my responsibility to follow those orders within my own, you know, clinical and to use my own clinical judgment. So, you know, medications, um, treatments, wound care, um, of course, when I first get a patient doing a full body assessment, um, making nursing diagnosis based on what I see, what I hear, um, what I'm told. Um, so a nurse can diagnose, make nursing diagnosis, but they are a little bit different than a doctor's medical diagnosis. So I can take your blood pressure and tell the doctor, the patient's blood pressure is elevated, but I would not be the, so from that, my nursing diagnosis might be that there are risks for cardiac, um, you know, some type of cardiac episode. Because my assessment is you are at risk because of your high blood pressure. But it would not be me who would diagnose you with hypertension. Mm-hmm. That's a medical diagnosis. So that's so if I said, oh, you know, you have hypertension, that's not for me to say. That's for a doctor to say, um, if you can kind of see the difference. So I've assessed it and I can tell the doctor, well, for the last week, their blood pressure has been running high. He's going to ultimately say, OK, based on the nurse's assessment, we feel you have hypertension. Wanting to know as far as with relationship with people, um, you know, patients, um, what do you think is things that that can be improved? Oh, I I mean, I I think that um, nurses spend way more time with patients than any doctor or even the PAs. um, So I feel like having establishing a rapport with patients and their families is is so important um you're going to see that nurse way more than you're going to see the doctor and the the nurse is the nurses are the eyes and ears for the doctor because yes you can tell me you have pain i can assess i can see you grimacing i can see you struggling i can see that you're short of breath your heart rate is up i can assess all these things so it is for me to interpret those things to the doctor and say this. And I, I'm that most doctors are very much now open to nurses and, and their opinions. Doctors will say, well, why what do you think we should do? 
what how do you think we should proceed well i think they need this this and that okay order this and if that doesn't work call me back or you know may give me some other orders um but i think it's because i have that relationship with the patient that i'm able to you know be the eyes and ears for and, and be the advocate for my patient it's for me to speak up for them to you know i think a lot of times the the doctor walks into the room and all those questions that you have just kind of they're like oh no everything's okay i'm good no um and and some even the family members family the doctor will walk out and they will they will have all these questions for me and i'm like but the doctor was just standing there and a lot of times it's they feel more comfortable with the nurse because the nurse has spent that time the nurse has built that relationship or that rapport at least with the patients um but we're limited, you know, in, in what we're able to do. Those are things that sometimes have to come from the doctor. And I'm always there. Have I have gone toe to toe, <laughs> blow for blow with doctors for my patients um, and with no regret. If it's at the end, the end of the day and with my managers, nurse, nurse managers, I know I did what I was supposed to do for my patient that I was taking care of and I regret nothing. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, I'm, I don't go to work with this expectation or this plan to get into it with yeah. with a doctor or management. But I'm here for for my patients. And at the end of the day, I have to do what's best for them. But that's how you, that's how they're raised. That's how it was. You know, you, you depended on the doctor to tell you. And um, now, you know, we have to we have to have a voice and we have to say stuff and we have to ask questions and not feel uncomfortable. And sometimes it is uncomfortable. I mean, you just have this you know, image that, you know, they're going to take care of your relative. They're going to take care of you. They're going to tell you everything. Um, but they're human one. And sometimes they, they may be overwhelmed. They may be busy. They may slip their mind, you know, things like that happened all also because they're human. And um, sometimes they're overworked and things like that. So, you know, we have to, you know, have to have a voice and we have to say, you know, ask the questions, but what happens if you're not getting um, the information or or what you're what you're asking for. Where do you go if you're talking to the nurse and you're talking to the doctor? Like, where do you go? Do you go to administration? Do you go to a? Uh, is there someone else above that? Like, what is that person? Oh, absolutely. I mean, of course, from the nursing perspective, there's always you know the charge nurse, um, and you know I'll be honest, the charge nurse is usually just another nurse who has been given that <laughs> who has been given that responsibility for that night because there are plenty of nights I walked in and they're like oh you're charged tonight I'm like nobody <laughs> okay and and you still have your own patients to take care of oh, it's just okay. that now when so-and-so is complaining because the room is too hot or the food was too cold or whatever. Oh, let me get the charge nurse. Ma'am, <laughs> you're a nurse. Just like, like order them new food and call maintenance. Why do you need right. a charge nurse for that? Right. But um, just an example. So there's a charge nurse, but then there should also be a supervisor, a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, but administration, I mean, people don't don't um may not really the power of the pen um 
the fact that hospitals, um, you know, the reviews and the surveys that you do, I mean, mm-hmm. in a, of course, it may not help in the immediate moment, but um, change happens. P- people, um, doctors are, um, especially if the hospital is one that they want to create a culture of, you know, respect and um patient first and uh and there, there's a shift there's there there's a shift that is happening in healthcare because i worked in the operating room so once upon a time it was okay for a surgeon to you know throw instruments and throw tantrums and be rude and really? disrespectful and cussing and oh yes i mean and the patient's asleep so it's not a patient <laughs> thing it's more of how they were how they were disrespectful and um, just or the other people that they're working with towards nurses, towards oh. nurses, anesthesia, towards, um, you know, the assistants, towards the people that they're working with. Really? That that culture is not acceptable anymore. I do not have to stand here as a nurse and accept you behaving this way. I don't mm-hmm. have to do that. Um, and it's the same thing for um patients like just because he's a doctor and you're a patient it doesn't mean that you have to tolerate inappropriate behavior and yeah then it means you go to the admit i want to speak to someone in administration i have a complaint or um most hospitals you can file a grievance um and then someone who is supposed to be um impartial like um and now like the department is leaving my mind um but when you want to file a grievance there's a there should be someone from that department who will come up and um discuss whatever issue it is that you're having and they are supposed to come up with an action plan of how we're going to resolve this issue um so a lot of times people are like, oh, it's a waste of time. They don't care. They're always going to defend, you know, the staff or the nurse or the doctor. But believe it or not, um, it's, this is customer service. This is about does your hospital want to thrive? Because once I once I take to the Internet, <laughs> you know, like it, it can affect their business. Um and, and, you know, the reputation of the hospital and people now have a choice. I don't, you know, I'm not limited um, to my access to care. You know, I can go somewhere else and receive care if you're not going to give me the care that I deserve. Um, okay. Well, you know, you said that you're continuing your education and you've been in this field for quite some times and, and, and you love it and you have passion for it. And this is what, you know, you think you're called to do. So what are the things that you um, would like to see? What are the things that you would like? Because you're, you're not just going into it and keep um, getting educated just because because I'm sure you're doing OK now and you, you have a job that you like or whatever. But there must be something that you want to do or you want to see happen in the industry because you love the industry. My concentration for my master's in nursing is public health. Um, and, you know, being a change agent um, for the profession, for healthcare, care, um, having a say in policy um, 
I mean, like I'm not political at all. Um, I currently one of my <laughs> multiple jobs. Um, I work for um, the federal government. Um, wow. It's federal federal occupational health. I only do it like once once a week. Um, but it's you know not that I do a lot of clinical things. Um, the, a lot of the federal workers are still working from home. So the clinics are pretty slow. (laughs) Um, but they had me there for medical emergencies and things like that. But, um, just some of the networking that I've done with even alumni from my, my university, um, works for department of health and human service. And just knowing that, um, eventually I want to be able to see the the profession that I love that I've been a part of for all these years like I want to see some positive changes and you know a lot of people are pushing for the things in the hospitals and um you know but there there's a there's a need for who's who's advocating for those long-term care facilities, those subacute facilities for the mental health um, facilities. Um, Cause I've worked in a lot of different places and I've seen a lot of different things. I've worked in maximum security um, in a, a state, state psychiatric maximum security facility. And the things that went on there um, prior to me coming there. And then even while I was there, it's just like, something has to change. Like these individuals, yes, they have mental health issues, but they're still human beings and they should be respected and treated as such. Um, You know, yes, this person has dementia, but, and they may not remember from one second to the next, but you can't treat them that way. Um, Mm -hmm. And just making sure that um, not only are we creating an environment for for the to make it uncomfortable for people to be that way, but to make right. sure that there are laws and policies that say you cannot do that. It's not acceptable. It's not okay. So okay. See, I knew it was something more, something bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. But that's great. So you believe in change. You believe that there can there's room for change and you believe that it's possible. And there's need. And there's I, believe, I believe it's possible. I think there's a need for it. I don't think it'll be an easy journey, but um, I don't think things will change overnight. Um, you know, there will always be those people who will try to block positive change. You know, um, while I was working on my bachelor's degree um, in nursing, you know, it was like so much talked so often about um the Affordable Care Act or uh, what they call Obamacare and just, you know, recognizing like all the changes, um, you know, he just like it was something put in place so that we all have access to care that is um, accessible it's equitable like it's there's there's it's fair it's you know it's we all had and and recognizing that healthcare is a human right it's not yes. It, yes. it it shouldn't be treated as um as a luxury mm-hmm. <laughs> you know right. it's a it's a right it's not a um a privilege it's not a privilege it's it's a right um 
but there are still those people who, you know, want to fight the very simplicity of we all should be taken care of. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, it's, it has to be across the board. You know, you can't mm-hmm. just be selective of who gets care or who gets good care or have different levels of care for this area or these people or, you know, things like that. If you can afford it, you can get it. If you can't afford it, oh, well, you know, it, it shouldn't and, be like and that. Even- even in in long to in you know in looking at elder care and geriatrics, um, the fact that a person could work all their life, you know, you know, have and then at the end of life when they need care, the fact that the way things are written, the way policies are, like you have to pretty much just go to your grave with nothing in order to receive good care. I was like, do you, I I don't know. It's just, um, it just doesn't seem right. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't. It's like the care that you deserve at the end of your life, especially people are living longer now. So they're like eighties and nineties and they've saved or they worked hard or they, you know, they gained some things, they got some, you know, real estate or whatever. And now if they are that sick that they cannot um, take care of themselves, they have to take that whatever they have in their valuables. They have to take that to pay for um, their care until that runs out. And then it'll kick in mm-hmm. Medicaid or whatever will kick in. And that, that seems unfair to me, too. Um, you know, I, I learned that and that seems very unfair to me. But, um, you know, we have to know about that ahead of time so we can do things and to try to, you know, uh, allocate the money or the business or whatever that we have um, years before, you know, so it just doesn't go to that because, you know, if you didn't have anything, you get care, you, you, you could go to, you go to the same facility and you're supposed to get the same care. So why does this person who has all this has to lose everything and get the same exact care? It's no, you're not getting the same care. Right. You don't get to like leave a legacy or and, you know, pass things down. Like, who knows that like tomorrow I'm, you know, going to have a stroke and need all this care. Like nobody knows that. So I didn't know like five years ago I should have been like putting everything in my kid's name or gifting, gifting my loved ones with these things so that, you know, I don't have to you know, just rid myself, liquidate everything in order to receive care because I didn't know that I was going to have a massive heart attack and, right. you know, need these things at the end of life. I'm- well, thank you so much. I appreciate all the information that you've given us and sharing with us and taking the time. Um, it was very valuable. And, um, you know, uh, I, I'm very um, excited about your future and about you you know, helping to make change. I mean, you may not do everything, but someone has to start, you know, and just like there's you're out there, there's someone else out there that that wants to do it too. And you'll, you'll, you'll find that as you go along and you'll find people to, you know, work with you on it. So, um, you know, it'll, it'll happen. Things don't happen overnight, but somebody has to start it. So thank you for caring enough to do that. You know, absolutely. absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me on the show. Hope I didn't ramble too much. But, no, um, it's fine. It's, uh, it's you fine. know, when you talk about when you're talking about something that you really love, it's hard to just like 
Got yeah. <laughs> no, no, I get it. And I, I like that because you're willing to talk about it. You, you know, have people I've, I've asked plenty of people at the level of, you know, the, the Department of Aging and different things and things like that and different departments and Alzheimer's or whatever. But the people with the title, they don't they they say, yeah, but they don't really want they don't, they're not giving you the time. You need somebody that's in there, you know, and they or they have so many restrictions. You got to talk to their marketing. You got to talk to it. It's like, uh-huh. okay, can, all right. My show will be over and done. We'll be retired by the time we get through that. So, no, <laughs> all that red tape. All that red tape. Yeah, like really, seriously. But they're in the, what, what gets me is that they're in the business of helping and wanting to get their programs and stuff out there so people know, so people have things because you have it. You have it to give. So why not let right. everybody know? What, what do you care? What do you care if if only ten people find out? There's ten people that you can help because that's what your business is, right? So that's why I don't understand. But um, I'm learning. I'm learning as I do this. So, but thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it, and um, I, I just I look forward to seeing what lies ahead for you. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for doing this. I think, um, you know, a lot of people uh, don't know what to do when they're in that situation of my, like, my mom or dad are aging and how, you know, aging in place or what do I do? What are the next steps? And how do I make sure they're well taken care of? And, you know, a lot of unanswered questions when you're entering that territory. So having a podcast like this um, is important and it, um, I'm sure it's helped a lot of people. So thank you for what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, good night. Good night. And- <laughs>